You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Chicago Bears stayed quiet at the NFL trade deadline, but that doesn't mean they'll be completely unaffected by the other moves we've seen take place. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter, at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, at LockedOnBears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. You can join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure that you subscribe to the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen. We're here for you each and every week. I hope it will be your first listen every single day. Because on the show today, we're looking at the implications of the trade deadline. We'll look at what the Bears could have been involved in in terms of players they didn't trade. Some rumors about maybe Allen Robinson, maybe Akeem Hicks. Things never really materialized there, but there's a scenario here where the Bears could have been sellers and, and what that might have been like. We'll look at some of the other moves that happened, where the Bears could have been buyers, potentially. What moves they could have gone after, could have been involved in, maybe should have been involved in if they're trying to win. I mean, little things like that where where the market may have taken things. And then we'll look at some of the other deals involving teams on the Bears' schedule and the Bears' division and just moves in general that will affect how this team operates moving forward through the rest of the season. But the only like real sort of Bears-ish rumors we got really circulated around Allen Robinson was the sort of the primary guy that was at least, I don't know, speculation even at best, right? There was no reporting on any sort of actual deal happening or specific terms or anything like that, but just the thought process was, well, the Bears used the franchise tag on him. He's not happy about the franchise tag, and, you know, two sides far apart on potential contract numbers, so could potentially look at dealing him at the deadline, get some compensation for him now, as opposed to letting him walk as a free agent, potentially, if they're unable to meet on terms for a long-term deal, you know, later this summer. Given that Robinson and Justin Fields hadn't necessarily been fully on the same page thus far this season, even though the Bears don't have a ton of depth at wide receiver, you just kind of wondered if a team in need of wide receiver might be willing to, I don't know, overpay a little bit or just make that desperation move to try and pry Robinson free from the Bears. That ultimately does not happen. And it, it would seem particularly unlikely because of the compensatory pick formula right now in the NFL if Robinson leaves and signs somewhere else, he could be worth as much as a third or fourth round pick for the Bears, depending on how big his contract is with his next team. So that's sort of like your starting point. And you're not going to get a first round pick for Allen Robinson on a franchise tag, right? Because whoever trades for him is going to have to give him a new long-term contract extension. And so they're, you know, they're trading for the franchise tag situation and having to sort of negotiate with him. You're, you're giving up a draft pick to then have to negotiate with him as a, an upcoming free agent. And so the value there on the trade market is always going to be a bit lower than his actual value to the Bears or the potential team that he's looking for. So not too surprising that a deal didn't happen there. Same kind of thing with Akeem Hicks, a name that the Bears had sort of like reportedly given him permission to seek a trade this offseason. It never really happened. And then rumors kind of kicked back up heading into training camp that maybe there could still be some movement there. And we wondered if maybe the, the 
trade deadline would be the ultimate spark there because he's still, you know, he's costing the Bears about $12 million this year, but he's going to be a free agent this offseason as well. So it's the same same type of conversation, just without the, the franchise tag sort of looming over it. It's just, you know, could, could a contending team really need some defensive line help and clear up some salary cap space? Again, with Akeem Hicks also injured on and off quite a bit this season, the trade value there seemed particularly low. So it's like, well, are you going to take a, you know, would it be worth it for the Bears to take a, a late round draft pick for a player that offers them more right now than potentially a, a late round pick? That's kind of where this team is from a philosophical standpoint. Like, they're not, they're not really in a seller's position here because Matt Nagy is still coaching for his job. General manager Ryan Pace still general managing, generally managing. I, <laughs> I don't know how to turn that into a verb. Still running the team, trying to sort of save his job. So they do need to win games. So they're not in a position to just sell out all their talent and collect a bunch of draft picks for next year unless somehow they got some kind of major assurance of ownership to say, yeah, you're in it for the long term. Let's sell Let's sell this year and build up for next year for Justin Fields. But either way, if the Bears had been sellers, it, they would have been locked into their future of accepting some more losing this season and, and sort of waving the white flag on the playoffs. And even though they certainly aren't playing like a playoff contender and none of us are really expecting them to make the playoffs, at 3-5, and five, you're not eliminated and it's not totally out of the question. And again, Coach and general manager have to win as many games as they can to try and keep their jobs at this point. So not too surprising that neither of those two guys went. I mean, if, if the Bears had gone into, like, full seller mode, you know, I wonder if Jimmy Graham could have gone to a contender maybe just as a, a, a veteran tight end for a late-round pick. Again, just to save yourself some money there and free up more playing time for Jesper Horstead and, and Jesse James and Cole Komet if you're going a little bit younger at that position. I, I'd be curious, you know, if a Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn type thing. If you're just going to try and blow up entirely, there's a lot of very difficult financial aspects there that probably make either of those guys, I don't want to say untradeable, but difficult to trade at, at this stage of the market. But if you're just trying to pack it in for the future, that their teams would definitely be interested in some potential premier pass rushers the way Von Miller was dealt. And we can get into that a little bit later on. And then I, I wondered even, you know, Eddie Jackson, given the amount of money he's making and all the tumultuous situation on there. I mean, again, this would only be if the Bears were actually like selling and, and kind of packing it in and, and tanking a little bit this season. But even Tashawn Gibson as a veteran safety who struggled, they've had DeAndre Houston Carson come in and play pretty well in his absence. He's been kind of in and out of lineup. Not going to co collect a top draft pick e either way there, but I don't know. They had veterans that they could have shed if they were truly in a seller's mode, but the head coach and general manager are not. You know, if you had fired Matt Nagy already or whatever, and then you're just trying to sort of and again, sort of give up on this season halfway through. There was there was some some meat here on the bone to potentially sh kind of shed off a little bit to, to pass on to other teams to get some draft picks in return. But instead, the team stands pat and is going to roll through with the guys they have on the roster now, opting also then to not go out and add anybody major right at the deadline. They did trade for Jakeem Grant, the kickoff returner, like a couple weeks ago. But in terms of the deadline, they didn't go all in on trying to make one last desperation move to win more games in 2021. But we'll look at some of the other players that were traded that maybe could have fit with where the Bears might have needs, as well as a couple of players that were on the block but ultimately not dealt that maybe the Bears could have gone after if they had been more aggressive. Next on Locked On Bears. Listen up, Bears fans. I want to tell you about an incredible app for anyone who buys gasoline. It's called Get Upside. And listeners, this podcast can make up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas cash back 
every single time you fill up. You just download the Get Upside app in the App Store. Use our promo code TOUCHDOWN to get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back when you fill up that first tank. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. With gas prices as high as they are, the Get Upside app can help just lower that bill for you a little bit more with some cash back. Some people who drive a lot get as much as two to $300 a month cash back, and there's no catch. All your cash back goes right into your Get Upside account, and then you can directly connect your bank account for a direct deposit. You can have it pay out through PayPal, or if you'd rather go through like e-gift cards to online stores like Amazon, super simple and easy to you. Again, just download the free Get Upside app, enter our promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first fill up with the Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play. Overall, the trade deadline day was a, a I don't want to say quiet because there were a lot of moves. It feels like some years it's a ghost town and there's really nothing. And so there was some player movement. There was some back and forth. Of course, the, the big headliner was Von Miller to the to the Rams, and we'll talk about him a little bit later in the podcast. But that was never a, a trade that we would ever consider the Bears to be involved in. Certainly financially, there's some big navigation there. And then giving up second and third round picks to kind of go all in like that. Given the, what the Bears already have in their pass rushers, specifically the starting pass rushers, that, that was not a discussion for the Bears. But there were some other trades here that where I thought, you know, if the Bears wanted to be really aggressive at the deadline, they could have gotten in on some of these as just, you know, low values or I guess low, low risk, high reward, potential value trades for a veteran player that might help out at a position of need to help the team be a little bit better without having to give up a ton of compensation to get something that's a little bit more of a sure thing, right? When you see team trade, you know, a six-round pick to the Texans for Charles Omenihue, a young pass rusher on the edge. Bears could use another young pass rusher, given Khalil Mack's injuries right now. We've seen we've only seen now eight games of really good Robert Quinn versus you know, 12 games of really bad Robert Quinn last season. So there's nothing, I mean, as great as he's been this season, we're never certainly sure how long he'll stay healthy. And Travis Gibson has played well off the bench. They have some depth at the edge rusher. It's not a huge glaring need, but a six-round pick to take a flyer on a young player with some potential, I think it's a pretty good return on investment there. Right? It's What are the chances of your six-round pick being drastically better than that. Certainly Ryan Pace has found some late round gems, but it tends to be more the fifth, not as much in the sixth and seventh there when it comes to general manager, because it's a really hard place to pick. You know, those draft picks tend to be kind of throwaways, and that's why you see these players kind of get dealt for them at the deadline. So many he would have been an interesting young edge rusher to potentially kick the tires on. And like the, the Steelers traded Melvin Ingram to the Chiefs, more of like the, the veteran side it was about the same price tag. I think a, a six round pick is ultimately what it took financially maybe a little bit more challenging there with with Melvin Ingram and then I don't know you training for a, a 32 year old veteran edge rusher in, in this situation I, I would see like Omenahue as more of that like rotational guy off the bench that you develop a little bit more but Ingram's more that all in on 2021 try and win a Super Bowl thing and I guess for some extent Nagy and Pace might be all in on 2021 but uh, again a veteran in that spot of, of that age I and mean, not that 32 is terribly old but it's you know, that's a short-term investment rather than a, a long-term one there. And I'm not sure that it exactly fits the Bears' needs unless you're concerned that Khalil Mack is going to miss extended time. And so far, they haven't placed him on injured reserve. So presumably, they're thinking less than three weeks because I think that's three or four weeks is the minimum now for injured reserve. So it, given the fact that they haven't put him on there yet suggests they think it's a shorter timeline. So that's encouraging there and probably why they didn't panic and go out and trade for a potential edge rusher at this stage in the process. The other one that I that I was wondering about a little bit was uh, 
The Chiefs trading their backup right guard, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif. He's, he's been a starting NFL guard before. The Bears don't have the big need at guard with Whitehair and Daniels playing well, but given how much Sam Mustafer has struggled at center, I wondered if maybe the Bears would look for some sort of offensive line upgrade at that position, and maybe a guy like Duvernay-Tardif, you plug him in at guard and then move either Daniels or Whitehair back to center. Again, I'm not, I'm not in love with... Exactly how you move the cards around there, but just something to upgrade this offensive line that has been a problem on and off. I imagine the Bears take it more from a perspective of, well, they're just not fully healthy at the offensive tackle spots. They're getting there with Borum coming back and playing decently well for a, a fifth-round rookie in his first career start. Eventually, Tevin Jenkins should be back. And I think the Bears think Jason Peters is playing at a higher level than maybe the general public does. He's been okay. He hasn't been certainly a Pro Bowl caliber player on that end either, but just sort of other ways to help your rookie quarterback because that's sort of what I was wondering if we might see. You know, like the, the Rams didn't ultimately end up trading wide receiver Deshaun Jackson, so he was then released after the trade deadline. And I should say, at the time I'm recording this, he has not been formally claimed by another team. I think he has to go through waivers, so he should be good until 3 o'clock. So then presumably, hopefully you'll listen to this podcast before he's on his new team, because as I'm, again, as I'm recording this, no one's got him yet, but certainly someone's going to pick up a, a veteran wide receiver. Probably not going to be the Chicago Bears, given that he wants to go to a contender, but add some more speed on offense and some more depth at wide receiver. The Bears should absolutely look to do something like that if the opportunity was presented to him. And then a couple other trades that weren't right at the deadline, but the Bears have a need at cornerback, and we saw the Panthers aggressively trade for C.J. Anderson and go and get in Stephon Gilmore. Price tag maybe a little bit out of the Bears' reach, but cornerbacks were on the move there earlier in this sort of in-season trading process. And given how Kendall Vildor has kind of had his struggles and the slot with Duke Shelley has been kind of a revolving door, some cornerback depth at some point, if you're trying to go in on winning this season, would have been an interesting potential acquisition. So there were some of those moves hanging around there that maybe would have interested the Bears. A couple of players that weren't traded that I, I was wondering about, you know, how much in that conversation would the Bears be? Uh, Seahawks defensive lineman LJ Collier, he was a first-round pick for them a couple of years ago. He's been a healthy scratch for a lot of the season. And more of an interior defensive lineman, and given... You know, again, Keem Hicks injuries, Eddie Goldman injuries, getting some more depth in there with Mario Edwards and Bilal Nichols kind of coming in out of the lineup now, too. They've been playing the Kyrus Tonga, the seventh-round rookie, quite a bit, but maybe a former first-round pick in Collier, who's definitely struggled as a first-round pick, but a potential reclamation project for presumably a, you know, a late-round pick like the other edge rushers had gone for. It's not a bad potential kick on the tires there. A little bit of a higher price tag for Andre Dillard from the Eagles, the, their offensive tackle, another early draft pick who's been kind of sitting on the bench but is starting caliber young offensive tackle. The Eagles probably looking for more than a team like the Bears would be willing to give up. But if you really want to bolster that offensive line and give you two long-term answers of Tevin Jenkins and Andre Dillard on either side, I would be in favor of that move at the right price tag, right? I am not know I'm giving up a first-round pick necessarily, but it's more of a sure thing than potentially trying to draft someone else next year and not being 100% sure exactly what you're going to get in the draft versus Dillard. You've got a couple of years of tape on him and have a little bit of a better sense of what he might bring to this team. The Jets also weren't willing to part with wide receiver Denzel Mims. You know, another young receiver, a little bit lower in their depth chart that given the Bears having some turnover potentially coming at wide receiver, Robinson's not under contract, Goodwin's not under contract, Bird's not under contract after next year. There's going to be a lot of turnover at that spot. Getting another young player with some upside in Mims again, potentially a late-round pick. Sounds like the Jets probably wanted a little bit more than Bears might have been willing to give up. There were a couple of guys, too, that had bigger contracts than the Bears could have afforded, and that's a, a real issue here is that the Bears didn't have cap space to go out and trade for anybody with any sort of significant salary. Like, 
I put this out on Twitter. The Denver Broncos were trying to trade former Bears cornerback Kyle Fuller. They benched him. He's been struggling, absolutely. His contract is way, way, way too much for the Bears to afford. But I would, if, if, but if he was cheap, I would take him back in a heartbeat. And I think getting him, getting him back in this, with this team and this locker room, I know it's Vic Fangio in Denver and it's, it's the same system per se. And I, don't, I think sometimes it can be more complicated than just system and play caller. That sometimes environment and teammates and locker room can be a big thing. And getting used to Denver and you know, all that stuff, I think a return home for Kyle Fuller on a late round draft pick would have been a fun story and would have helped the Bears secondary despite how much he has struggled this season. I think you'd still get more of the, Earlier season Kyle Fuller than the, or the earlier career Kyle Fuller than the this year Kyle Fuller would have been fun. So the price tag was never going to work there. But if somehow, some way he could agree to a pay cut, even though he wouldn't take one from the Bears, I, I don't think there was a logistical way for that to happen. But that would have been a fun move to see. Fletcher Cox and the Eagles contract way, way, way out of reach. But again, if you're going all in to help a defensive lineman, Fletcher Cox would have been fun to pair in the interior with a key mix. And even Marcus May from the Jets, the safety Bears can't afford him. Jets wanted too much, but a better pairing in the back end to help Eddie Jackson and, and kind of free some things up there, that would have been fun as well. So it's a, a lot of sort of what-ifs on potential trades, but kind of shows you maybe where the Bears lie in this middle ground between, like, they're not completely thrown in the bag and blowing up their whole roster and tanking for the rest of the season because they know they have to fight for their jobs, but also maybe not in a position to completely mortgage their entire future to go all in at the trade deadline and try and win a couple more games and save their jobs this season. Kind of seems like they're stuck with a lot of the guys they've got right now for better and for worse. And that's, that's how they're going to be evaluated in this second half of the season. Could be some other implications for the second half of the season based on some of the other trades that we saw around the NFL on the deadline day. We'll go through some of the moves that happened and some of the moves that didn't next on Locked On Bears. Today's episode of Locked On Bears brought to you by our friends at betonline.ag, your number one source for all of your sports betting needs, whether it's pro football, college football, basketball, hockey, soccer, tennis, you name it, they've got it at betonline.ag. Every week we've been trying to keep you up to date with you know the different odds and and spreads and over-unders and money lines and all that good stuff for each of the Bears games. And as I pull up the Steelers game, it's currently the Steelers favored by six and a half at home. Bears are uh, plus 235 on the money line. The over-under set at 40, so still expecting a lower scoring game between these two teams in primetime. If you like those odds, Bet Online is going to be the place to lay your money down. If you sign up for a free account today and enter our promo code LOCKEDON, you're going to receive a free 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, matching your first deposit to give you even more money to play with and win at BetOnline, where the game starts. For me, when I get hungry, I always start in my pantry with the world's best-tasting protein bars, Built Bars. I had one earlier this afternoon before I started recording this podcast. It's a perfect snack to tide me over because it's got all the nutrients of a protein bar, but it tastes like a candy bar. And they've been coming out with a bunch of great flavors all this month, kind of unveiling new ones and limited edition flavors that are just going to only be here for a couple of days. They've also done a, a mystery flavor. Right now they have Paranormal Pumpkin. Sounds really good. Blueberry muffin, also a limited time flavor on there. I've tried pretty much all of them. I haven't had paranormal pumpkin for, for the Halloween, but I've tried all the, all the other flavors I've had have been phenomenal. They're all covered in 100% real chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. But again, low sugar, low calories, high fiber, and high protein. There's no other built, there's no other protein bar mark, product on the market that has this delicious of a taste 
with low sugar, low calories, and high protein in this capacity. I'm telling you, you got to try them for yourself. Go ahead and head over to built.com, enter our promo code LOCKED15. You're going to get 15% off your next order. That's promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCKED15, for 15% off at built.com. The big trade of the trade deadline lead-up was, of course, Von Miller going from the Denver Broncos to the Los Angeles Rams. Seems like Vic Fangio in a little bit more of a, a selling mode than the Chicago Bears were, given some of their struggles over there. Fortunately for the Bears, they've already played the Rams, so they're not going to have to deal with that expanded pass rush, at least in the regular season. But it certainly boosts the Rams' Super Bowl contention, kind of going all in on trying to win, like we talked about a little bit earlier. And so if somehow the Bears were able to sort of squeak into the playoffs, if they were to face the Rams, (laughs) I don't know that they're going to be able to stop Von Miller and Aaron Donald. I know Von Miller's not been playing like the same dominant Von Miller of of you know years past but good lord that pass rush plus you still you know you have Leonard Floyd on that team and you've got just a, a strong front seven overall with their offense playing even better that would be a a real tough one if the Chicago Bears were going to have to deal with that one later on this season and then I think I look around and I I heard a lot of rumors about the Green Bay Packers right being involved potentially with you know, looking at tight ends after Robert Tanyan was injured Wide receivers, maybe, with, of course, it's always been a thing with, with Aaron Rodgers only having Devonta Adams and kind of a bunch of nobodies, and they've had guys on the COVID list this season, and Marvick Bros. Valdez-Scanling was injured. And I think one of the big takeaways for me from the deadline is just that the Chicago Bears kind of dodged a bullet by the Packers not adding anybody else to add more pass catchers for Aaron Rodgers. Some of the names that were thrown out there, a couple of New York Giants, wide receiver Darius Slayton, Kind of an explosive guy in the slot for them that would have been a, a really tough pair with Devontae Adams. Or a tight end, Evan Ingram. Again, a former top draft pick. One of these sort of athletic wide receiver hybrids at tight end would have been a really great fit in that Green Bay offense. So kind of dodging a bullet there. We wondered what might happen with Odell Beckham Jr. The Browns were maybe involved in some conversations there. It seemed like the strongest rumors that we were seeing on Twitter were specifically to the New Orleans Saints, but Green Bay Packers fans were really hoping for a potential Odell Beckham trade. Never materialized, and with as much as Beckham has his baggage, we'll say, He's getting open for the Browns. There's been there's a big this whole thing with the Browns where his teammates and stuff were posted. His dad posted a video and his teammates were liking it. It's just a video of of Beckham being open on plays and the Browns not throwing to him. He's still a very very talented wide receiver and uh, glad to see that the Packers were not able to add one of those very very talented wide receivers to already help the NFC North leading Green Bay Packers. Because you know obviously that's the kind of thing that would take a couple of weeks for the team to really you know, get that wide receiver in there and involved in the system. But I think by the time the Bears and the Packers rematch there in week 14, they should be hitting a stride back there. And then the Bears would be definitely feeling the blunt end or the, the brunt, excuse me, of the uh, the addition there to that Packers offense. So we can relax a little bit on the Packers upgrading front. They're, they're playing well enough. They don't, they don't need a, a massive upgrade there. And the other player transaction discussion that, you know, sort of brushes up on this this Venn diagram of, of touching on the Chicago Bears, was Mitch Trubisky, not actually traded, but Chris Trapasso of CBS Sports. He used to work for CBS Sports. I didn't double-check where he worked before. I credit him and cite him as the source for the trade here. 
he was reporting that the Bills were in serious discussions with the Washington football team to trade Mitch Trubisky to them. I'm sure it would have been a late-round draft pick. Some of that a result of him playing well in the preseason. Some of it as, as maybe Washington being interested in Mitch as a free agent before he ultimately goes to Buffalo. And, of course, they had other plans at quarterback in Washington that have since sort of uh, ha- had some issues there. But I, I wondered then, was there a call about Nick Foles? Was there a call about Andy Dalton? Maybe salary uh, and an issue for both of those quarterbacks, Dalton more than Foles, and the Bears are not going to trade Foles. Or excuse me, the Bears are not going to trade Dalton at this point, given that Dalton had to play a couple of weeks ago when Fields left briefly with, with an injury. I think they would be much, much more inclined and eager to trade Nick Foles as the third-string quarterback that's really not going to be active at this point for the rest of the season unless something goes horribly wrong. But for whatever reason, Washington more interested in more the, the younger option there with Trubisky, maybe not as interested in the... You know, the veteran that, I don't, I don't know, is not, they're not trying to necessarily make the playoffs at 2-6. and six. They're not waving the white flag completely, but they've lost four games in a row. And, I don't know, can they turn it around? Sure. But is Nick Foles going to be good enough for the Washington football team to turn it around? I, I'd, I'd be surprised at this point. So then you trade for Trubisky with the idea that you get an extended look at him before he's a free agent again. And just to see, could he be a, a long-term answer? And, you know, even though... You know, they weren't that interested in him enough to sign him in free agency yet, but it, you trade for him to have him in your building as an opportunity for a second half of the season tryout. Say, all right, what do you got? Because you're not, you're not really trying out Foles to see if you want to stick around with that long term. So I can see where their focus is more on, short, uh, on younger quarterback as a potential option. It's why they were rumored as a potential third team in a, in a Deshaun Watson Dolphins type deal where maybe Tua could end up with Washington and Watson going to the Dolphins and the Texans getting something else in, in that sort of big swap there. And that seems to be more the market that Washington was in for a quarterback. And so Foles and Dalton not quite fit in that bill. But good for Mitch Trubisky to potentially have some trade value there. And of course, you know, we don't have anything against him as a person and want him to have career success. So it'd be interesting to see how his career plays out as the naggy Trubisky divorce is certainly not playing out super well for the Bears. I'm not yet convinced that Trubisky is some great quarterback that was just purely being held back by Matt Nagy. I think that was a little bit of both of them having problems in that relationship and neither one being super, super stellar at exactly what they do. But that kind of that kind of sums up, I don't know, it, it was a weirdly like active trade deadline day, but not blockbuster headlining kind of trade deadline day. Just a lot of a lot of sort of lower scale moving parts kind of in, in and around. And of course, none of them directly affecting the Chicago, or none of them directly involving the Chicago Bears, but I'd argue affecting the Chicago Bears plans moving forward. We'll see. It's probably not going to be a direct impact. Yes, the Steelers without Melvin Ingram. We'll, we'll see what that's like on Monday Night Football. On tomorrow's podcast, we'll be joined by our friend Chris Carter, Christopher Carter, not not the former wide receiver Chris Carter, but Christopher Carter of the Locked On Steelers podcast for Crossover Thursday. He's our Steelers expert, going to break down the Bears' opponent this week. And then on Friday, we'll put together a game plan for how the Bears can get back in the win column, try and get this defense to slow down the Steelers' offense and the defense back on track while keeping Justin Fields at this elevated level of play. So make sure you're subscribed. Wherever you listen to podcasts, we're free and available on all platforms, including the YouTube channel. That's the best way to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Again, thank you for making Lockdown Bears your first listen today and every day. If you're looking for a second listen, we've got Lockdown NFL. 
breaking down the league as a whole. Peacock and Williamson, our other national NFL show with former scout Matt Williamson. Lockdown NFL Draft, if you want to look ahead to that far, too. They're still breaking down prospects, young players, and so much more. So the Lockdown Podcast Network has no shortage of football podcasts for you. But at least getting through Locked On Bears today should make it a little bit easier, even though it's a quieter trade deadline. I hope you're still able to find some ways to make sure you bear down.